You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's great help in Ramapit Shemesh Israel 5768-2008. This week's Parsha's Parsha's Vayakel, we have the completion, the absolute finishing of the Mishkan, the construction of the sanctuary. It now comes to a close and we complete the book of Shemos, the book of Exodus. So the verses tell us in chapter 39, verse 32, They completed all of the work of the sanctuary, the tent of meeting. The people of Israel did exactly as Moshe Rabbeinu commanded them, the word of Hashem. So they brought this Mishkan, the sanctuary, to Moshe Rabbeinu, and Rashi tells us why did they do this, what happened, what was the sequence of events here. So Rashi here says, they were not able to actually pick up the Mishkan by themselves, So meaning they had tried to pick it up, but they were unable. So they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and told him what happened. And then Moshe Rabbeinu himself, Moses himself, went and he picked up the Mishkan. Rashi tells us that what happened, Hashem made it that no one would be able to pick it up, it was too heavy. Why did he do this? He wanted to leave something of the actual construction of the Mishkan for Moshe Rabbeinu. Meaning Moshe Rabbeinu was not directly involved in anything, in any of the fashioning of, of the utensils of the Mishkan, in the actual making of the Mishkan. He was the one giving all the commands, but he didn't actually directly get involved until this point. Hashem wanted to leave him this final construction, this final putting up the Mishkan would be for him. But even before he actually picked it up, says Rashi, there was a small dialogue. He says to Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu says, how can I possibly pick this up? It's impossible to pick it up. So Hashem says, you try, and it will look like you're picking it up, but it will come up on its own. I'm going to pick it up for you, says Hashem. So we actually asked a number of questions on this in Parshas Vayera on the podcast. I, I highly recommend going back to that, listening to that beautiful message there, important message. But I'd like to focus on something else here, and I want to ask some slightly different questions and bring out something very important that I believe we see here as well. So to start us off, let's ask the following question. We see that the people of Israel, they tried valiantly to pick up the Mishkan. They weren't able to. They came to Moshe. The first question is, why did they try? Why did they do this? And why were they unable to do it? So we said that Hashem wanted to leave Moshe Rabbeinu something to do in the Malachas HaMishkan, something for Moses himself to do on his own. He hadn't done anything else. The question is, why did Hashem specifically leave this thing? Why did Moshe Rabbeinu have to be the one to complete the erection of the Mishkan? Why was that something that needed to wait for Moshe Rabbeinu? That's the second question. And the third question is, why is it he wasn't able to physically even do it? So what happened? So he picks it up, but really Hashem is the one picking it up. Why is it necessary for Moshe Rabbeinu even to do it at all? Let Hashem just let it float up on its own. Those are the three questions. Again, summarize quickly the three questions. Why were the Jewish people unable to pick up the Mishkan? Why was this thing left for Moshe Rabbeinu to do? And if Moshe Rabbeinu himself couldn't even do it, why was it necessary for him to do it at all? So to begin with, I'd like to share with you something that I learned in the time that I was learning in Yeshiva Farakway. I spent, I was in Yeshiva Farakway for almost six years, from 10th grade and uh, all the way till three years post high school, almost three years post high school. And the Yeshiva Farakway is a very unique Yeshiva. It actually has a tradition which goes back to the Navardikar Yeshiva. What that means is as follows. There's a, there was a yeshiva in Europe called the Navardikar Yeshiva, and in that yeshiva, they had a special focus on Musr, on, on ethical teachings, on a person working on his character traits and developing himself personally to be a greater human being. Because in order to be a proper keli, in order to properly be someone who can hold the Torah, to have the Torah inside of him, so a person has to be a mensch. He has to be a person who has good character traits. He has to be honest. He has to be someone who's kind to others. He has to be someone who doesn't get angry quickly. Many different important character traits, and that's something that was worked on in this, in this Navardic Yeshiva. 
there's a story, a famous story about the Navarka Yeshiva, that the, the Talmud and the students there, they wanted to work on their trait of humility. And they wanted to work on their ability to stand up in a place where, where they would, were looked down upon. And to do what's right even when they were looked down upon. So what they would do is they would go to a certain hardware shop, and they would walk into their hardware shop, and they would ask for cake. Or they would walk into a bakery and they would ask for nails. They would go to a place where they would ask for something that was clearly not there, and they would do it to embarrass themselves in a certain sense, but really in order to develop within themselves the ability to stand up to do what was right in a place where it was difficult to do what was right. That was the Navarrika Yeshiva in Europe, and this tradition, this idea of working on oneself, working on one's character traits, was something that was greatly stressed in the Yeshiva Farakwe, where I went to Yeshiva with my Rosh Yeshiva Rabbi Per. One of the important lessons that I learned in Yeshiva, something that every single person really needs to take to heart and really realize, and something that a person has to always be conscious and aware of. One of those lessons was that a person, when he's making decisions in life, whether it be to what yeshiva is going to go to, whether it be what shul, synagogue is going to attend, whether it be any, any, any decision that affects his spirituality, all of these decisions need to be made with a certain awareness. And that is that a person has biases. Bias. A person has negias, that's the word. A negia is a bias. A person is naturally inclined to do a certain way, many times because of his physical desires. And those physical desires will tell him to do something that he really shouldn't do, or incline him to make the wrong decision when it comes to spiritual matters. My Rosh Yeshiva, I remember him telling a story, I believe it was the altar of Navardic, who was the Rosh Yeshiva, the head of the Yeshiva in Navardic. One morning he came to the Yeshiva, it was a blistering cold morning, there was snow on the ground, it was Navardic, it was Europe, very cold. And he came to the door, bundled up and very cold, obviously very cold. He came to the door, he stopped at the entrance, and he walked home. Came to the door and went right back home. And so later, the next day or the day after, so the Talmud and the students asked him, what happened, what's the pshat, what's the understanding, why did you do that, why did you come to the door and you stopped and you went back home? So the altar of Navardic, the great sage, responded to them and said, that morning I woke up and I had a decision to make. Should I get out of bed? Should I go to yeshiva or not? I wasn't feeling well. And I wasn't sure. Inside of my heart, I said to myself, I'm not feeling well enough to go to yeshiva. I should stay in bed and, and, and I should try to get better. Otherwise, I'm going to ruin days of learning. And when that thought crossed my mind, I said to myself, well, am I making this decision because of my bias? Because I'd really prefer to be in bed? Or is this a real, complete decision? Am I really, is this really an, an objective decision? And I said to myself, said the Navarrika, I said to myself, I can only properly make this decision when I'm standing at the door of Yeshiva. And that's why he said he got up, he walked, he bundled himself up, he walked to Yeshiva, he stood in front of the door, and at that moment he made the, the decision that he, was, he should be in bed. And he went back home. So this idea was constantly drummed into us. We have to be aware that we're, when we're making decisions in life, whatever the decision may be, but specifically, as I mentioned, if it has a spiritual ramification, all our decisions will be affected by our biases. And we have to realize that, and we have to recognize that, and we have to take that into account when we make our decisions. So then the question becomes, how can one make an unbiased decision? How can we really make an objective decision? We are subjective. We are affected. We are pulled by all the different things that pull us in each and every direction, whether it's our desires, our physical desires, whether it's any, any reason why we have an atiyah, we're, we're pulled in a certain direction. So how do we guide ourselves or how do we find guidance to make the right decisions in life? And this is a fundamental and essential question because we need to know what Hashem wants from us. We want to do God's will, right? 
spirituality and coming close to God is not random. You can't just decide, oh, one day I'm going to do this thing, it's going to bring me close to God, next day I'm going to do something else. Hashem has told us specifically, exactly, precisely what He wants us to do. That's the Torah. That's what we've got the Torah for. That's why Hashem came down on Har Sinai, on Mount Sinai, in the year you know, 2448, and he, and he taught us the Torah because He wanted us for all generations to know exactly how to come close to Him. And the Torah is specific and it goes down to every single detail, what a person should do when he goes to the bathroom, what a, how a person should tie his shoes, every single detail of our lives. Hashem specifically tells us how to do it because He wants us to connect to Him in every single second of our lives. And that's, every single moment is an opportunity to connect to Hashem. But the question is, how do we make the right decisions to maximize our ability in spirituality to connect to Hashem? How do we do that? And the answer is by learning the Torah. Because by learning the Torah, the Torah contains the will of Hashem. It contains the das, the knowledge of Hashem, exactly Hashem's will, exactly what He wants us to do. So every time we connect to the Torah, we connect more to Hashem's will. Every time we connect more to Hashem's will, we disconnect ourselves from our biases. Here I'd like to interject something very important, and that is because as soon as we realize that it's something essential in order for us to overcome our biases, in order for us to really connect to the will of Hashem, to know what He wants from us, when we realize that in order to do that we need to learn the Torah, and we need to totally submerge ourselves in the waters of Torah, once we realize that there's a danger. And the danger is pointed out as follows by the Grah. The Grah says that the Torah is compared to water, and the Torah is compared to rain. And he says that just like rain falls down from the heavens and it comes down and it gives sustenance to everything. It doesn't matter if the things that it's giving sustenance to are weeds, are fruit trees, are vegetables, everything, everything. It could be a poisonous plant, it can be a thorn bush, everything that's there, the water, the rain is going to give sustenance to. The Grass says the reason that the Torah is compared to rain is because there's a similar quality to, to the Torah. Because the Torah has the ability to make a person grow, to make him become a greater person, but it depends. Because if a person has not uprooted his bad midos, his bad character traits, so then not only will all of the good parts of the person be growing, but the negative parts of the person will also grow along with him. Because the Torah is like water, the Torah is like rain, it makes everything grow. So if a person is a Balgaiva, if a person is a person without, who lacks humility, he's always looking for people to praise him. So now he'll look for people to praise him in the Torah. If a person is someone who's an angry person, so then he'll just get angry at his Chavrusa, at the person who he's learning with, because his, the person, his learning partner, didn't say a good shot, a good understanding of the Talmud. The point is that the only way for a person to overcome his biases and to really be able to see eye to eye with what Hashem wants and to really allow Hashem's will to enter, enter into his consciousness, it's only possible if he begins with the understanding that the Torah is the will of Hashem and everything that it says in it is ultimately really what Hashem wants. And that all of, a person also has to remove those bad midos, those bad character traits, otherwise they will grow along with it. Now we also have to be honest with ourselves if we want to know, am I a person who can really figure out what Hashem wants? Have I learned enough Torah? Am I really on that level yet? And I think most of us, including myself, can say that we're not really on that level yet. We haven't completely dedicated ourselves. We haven't really thrown ourselves completely into the Torah yet. And we haven't gotten to that level where we really are in sync, in line. Our minds are in tune with Hashem's will. So what do we do? How do we find out what's the right thing for us to do? How do we know what to do? There are so many things that we need to learn. How do we learn it? And the answer is we go to find someone who is indeed a Das Torah, someone who has indeed completely immersed himself in the Torah, a person whose whole existence, everything is about serving Hashem. 
that person is a person who we know that we can ask the questions to. Because for a number of different reasons. But first of all, they'll be able to be objective. Because as we mentioned, each and every one of us has our own biases, the things that will lean us in one direction or another direction, and may not allow us to choose the correct path for ourselves. So we need to find someone who's objective. But objectivity is not enough. We need to find someone who is well-versed in the Torah and well-versed in what God wants and understands the will of Hashem so much so that his entire life is that. As an example of this idea, I want to tell you something that just happened to me very recently. There's a certain Rav who I ask Shailas to, Baruch Hashem, I've been Zoch, I've merited to find a very, very special man. His name is Rav Zechariah, she's the Rav of my shul. And I asked him a question on Shabbos. The question was, I was interested in buying techeles. You know, there's a number of different techeles. There's Radziner, and there's the Breslov one, and there's the, the Rav Herzog one. And I wanted to ask him if he would, if he would recommend that I buy techeles. Because, you know, it's a mitzvah. We haven't had that for, for over 1,500 years. We haven't had an opportunity to do this mitzvah. I wanted to know if he recommended doing it. And, you know, this is something that I really would like to do. And I asked him the Shaila. And he said to me, he's done a tremendous amount of research. And he's looked it up and he's, he's, he's seen everything. And he knows everything about the subject. And he said to me, the G'daylim are great Torah scholars, the sages of Israel. They said not to do it. They hold that this is something that it's not yet the time to do. Mirz Hashem Sumo, Mashiach comes, he'll reveal exactly which one is the right one, which is the real Tcheles, and we'll know and we'll do it. But it's not yet the time. And these sages, and he didn't say that this is me talking now, these sages that we're talking about are the great sages of Israel. They've spent their entire lives, 50, 60, 70, 80 years of their lives, completely immersed in the Torah. And their whole life is Torah, but not just that, but their entire beings. All they care about is Klal Yisrael. All they care about is what's best for the people of Israel. Not just for today, what makes us feel good today, but what we're going, to, what's going to be ultimately the best for the people of Israel in the long run. And when they say that this is not the correct thing to do, we listen to that. And I'm telling you from my own experience, you know, even though it's something that I really would like to do, I really would like to put on this Tcheles. And I'm sure that there are many people, you may even know people that do. However, while it's something that I would like to do, but Lamaisa, in the end all, I asked my Rav, I asked my Rebbe, and he said to me, the G'daylam say no. When our G'daylam say no, that means that this is not the thing, this is not what Hashem wants. And I've seen in numerous places that when the G'daylam, when the great sages of Israel say something, Hashem Himself gives them special divine providence since they are making a ruling for all of the people of Israel. They're saying something that affects all of Klal Yisrael. Hashem gives them special guidance. So when a gadol, when a great sage says something, we have to know, we have to listen, we have to know that they're completely involved in the Torah, they're in line with Hashem's will. And we in our small minds, with our, with our great amount of bias, we can't possibly see it the way they see it. And we, we have to trust them, and we have to know that ultimately when we ask our question, that is what Hashem wants us to do. And I believe that this is the explanation of the questions that I asked originally in this week's Parsha. My question was, why is it that the people of Israel, they tried to do it, they tried to put up the Mishkan, they wanted to, they sincerely wanted to. They had done everything, they had created all the different parts, and now they were ready to complete the actions and put it together. But they were unable to do that. And I believe the reason was because Hashem wanted them to see there are actions that you're supposed to do, there are things that you're supposed to complete. However, the final stage, the final product, has to be done by Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest sage that ever lived. He was the one, the one who learned the Torah directly from Hashem, mouth to mouth. And this Mishkan was the place, this Mishkan was going to be the vehicle, as we've mentioned so many times, to bring down the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, into the world. 
the only way that we can bring the divine presence into the world and into our lives is by following the great sages of Israel, by doing that which they tell us. Moshe Rabbeinu had to be the one to complete the Mishkan, to actually pick it up, because the Mishkan's final completion could only be done by that great person. And not only that, but when Moshe Rabbeinu picked it up, he wasn't even able to pick it up himself. Who picked it up? Hashem himself picked it up through Moshe Rabbeinu. That is this message. This alludes to the idea that when a gadol, a great sage, one of our Torah leaders tells us something, this is actually Hashem speaking to us. It's actually Hashem picking up this gadol and speaking through the sage's mouth. That's what we have to know and that's what we have to trust. Because Hashem would not just give us the Torah knowing full well that for over 2,000 years from the time the Torah is given until a Messiah comes, the Jews are just going to wander aimlessly throughout the world. They're going to have absolutely no guidance. They're going to have to make it up on their own. No, that's not how it works. But rather what Hashem does is Hashem gives us guidance through our sages. Hashem is actually directly involved giving them, so to speak, using them as His mouthpiece to guide us and to show us what we're supposed to do. And that's what I believe we see from this whole action with the Mishkan. It was completed. The people of Israel couldn't do it on their own because at a certain point they have to know that Moshe Rabbeinu, the great Moshe Rabbeinu, the sage, he's the one who does it. And even when he does it, it's actually Hashem who's doing it. And that teaches us that whenever we have guidance from our Gedolim, from our great sages, from our Rabbanim, from the people who are the Das Torah, the people who have the Torah, they know the Torah and they have that unbiased opinion, when we go to them for advice, we know that we're getting the word of Hashem. Thank you so much for listening and have a great Shabbos.